Hey, thank you for joining me for the Sermon of the Week. Coming to you from Studio B, housed inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Leg of the Ozarks. 728 North Main Street, Lawyer, Missouri. Well, the Sermon of the Week is brought to you by the new Old School Podcast in church at the MHC. Join me today as we revisit our Sunday morning service, October 24th, 2021. Today's Sermon of the Week is Sons, Not Servants. This is part three, finally getting to the third part of this series. Today, let's look at the shoes. The shoes. Sons, Not Servants. Sons, Not Servants. This is the final teaching in this short series. If you missed any of the other ones, they're on, they're on Facebook. You can go back, check them out. Luke's getting them on uh, YouTube as well. Two guys in the Bible, YouTube. Two guys in the Bible, Facebook. Uh, a couple years ago, I'm going to pick back up where Jen left off the other day. You know, I had Jen come up and, and share. But uh, it was a couple years ago when we did this originally on a Tuesday, I think, when we did this series. And uh, amazing thing happening after we had, because last week we talked about the ring, three gifts that the Father gives to those that, that, that come home, sons, daughters. And uh, Jen had been wearing a ring that had been given to her by a man some years ago, and the relationship had turned the wrong way. And uh, there were some abuses and some other things that had taken place. But, but there was a moment in time where she felt loved when that man had given her that ring. And she was holding on to that ring just for that memory, you know, just to, to hold on to something good in the middle of anything that could have happened bad. And so it was just a symbol of a, of a time that she remembered how her heart felt when, when he handed her that, even though it had gone south, but there was just a moment in time that she was holding on to there when she felt loved. But at the same time, a lot of bad memories would come, a lot of hurt would come because it didn't work out, along with some other abuses. And it just seemed like this cycle, we can get into some cycles in our lives, you know. And, um, but I love that God had told her that night to remove that ring to remove that ring from off of her finger. And so she came up here and she had placed it in, in a bucket. She had taken that ring off, you know, that one, that one symbol that she felt like. But really what happened was it was a demonic attachment that as long as that ring was there, it was bringing, it was drawing that kind of man back into her life. You know, that, you know, you know what kind I'm talking about. Oh, baby, you're good. I love, see what you made me do? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but it, would bring, it was bringing that cycle. She removed that ring and was able to put on that ring that, that Father God had given her. You know, just, and now, she, of course, she is actually wearing a ring that, that had been given to her in a replacement for But how many of you know that God will never make you give up something he won't give you better for anyway, right? So, I mean, holding on to a moment or you can have a lifetime with me, right? And so, but what my point of all that is, you know, that ring and getting rid of that, it, it, it set her free that night. I mean, really brought a peace into her life and some healing. But my point is this, God is not afraid as a good father to walk into your worst nightmare and pull you out. See, a lot of times when we run into troubles, first thing we give up on is church and, and God. Now, it's not about church, but the fellowship or being here or hearing. That's the first thing we push out of our life, and that's a trick of the devil. When the reality is that's the first place you need to run, that Father God's not afraid to be with you. in the, where were, I mean, those Hebrew boys didn't get the miracle till they got in the fire. Come on, sometimes you're going to get in the fire, but you know what? You're never going to be alone. And what man is going to send to destroy you, God's going to use to, to uplift you and to build you. Praise God. So uh, go check these out. So we're looking at the final teaching here, the three gifts that the father gave in Luke 15 and verse 21. We know the story of the prodigal. But the father said to his servants after the son came home, bring out the best robe. Don't, don't, get, go, don't go get some cheap one. 
You go get in my closet. You know the one that's only reserved for the best of the best? Go get that one. You go get the best one. You get in my closet, you get the best robe, right? I mean, don't miss the language, right? Don't, Don't miss these little things, go get a robe. No, he said get the best one, which means they went into daddy's closet. They went to his closet. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 see, the, you, you can't wear any other one. You gotta have the best. But see, you can't get it either unless the daddy gives it to you, but he is. And so you go get the best robe. This is after the son came home from totally screwing up and the dad said, don't give him some cheap one, get the best. Get the best one. Bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hands and the sandals on his feet. So we talked about the robe of righteousness, the ring of authority to conduct the father's business. That was the stamp of the approval, right? You're doing daddy's business. We look back in the Bible to see what these gifts represent to us. And as we know, many of us have strayed from our father's house. Now, it doesn't always have to be deep sin. Sometimes you get going in life and all of a sudden you realize the closeness, just, I just kind of veered off a little. It doesn't have to be like this guy's story where we were in deep sin and, you know, and, 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 and you know, fell back into drugs and all the crazy. You know, it can be that. I mean, that's what this boy did. It was debauchery, it was sex, it was buying prostitutes and partying. But it doesn't even have to be that because sometimes we can look at that and say, well, I'm not as bad as that. And yet you're still not as close to the father as that one is. Sometimes it's just, man, I woke up one day and I'm not as close to him as I used to be and I just allowed life to kind of slowly veer me off. You know, it doesn't have to be this big sin. But the Father's given us everything he has. We mentioned Romans 8, 32, that he that did not spare his son, but delivered him up for us all, then how shall he not also freely give us everything through his son? He's given us everything, everything, to be able to do all the Bible says that we can do in health and healing and wholeness and, and, and prosperity, needs being met and peace and joy, peace and joy. But if I could spend enough money, but you can't, but peace and joy, forgiveness of sin, salvation from hell. So he gave us everything, but we know even at that, sometimes we still walk off. Sometimes we still stray, even though we know, right? Even though we know that we know that we know that it was better there, but that's just human nature. Sometimes we do. And so sometimes we take those precious gifts and we do squander them eventually. But when you do, we know just like this boy, there comes a day when a famine comes, right? When you've strayed long enough, you do wake up one morning and realize there's nothing here. Come on, have you ever been there where I am empty? I mean, nothing's there. I mean, David struggled with this. He's like, renew, restore the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't take your presence from me, right? We feel that at times when it gets so heavy. That's why when Jesus became sin, he cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? The Father didn't, but sin made it feel that way. Why have you forsaken me? And we feel that way at times. But it's our sin that makes, the Father was standing right here waiting for his son to come home. But anytime we walk away from God, we know it won't be long a famine's coming to your life. And just like this boy, a famine came and he found himself in want. And so what happened? Even in that though, he turned to the pig slop of the world. Well, I've got to do something. And he turned to the pig slop. Of the, and he, and so when we find ourselves in need, maybe sometimes pride is saying, you can't come back. What are they going to say? When I walk back in, what are, what are they going to say? Everybody's going to look at me. They're going to point fingers. Hey, if that's the place, don't go back there. Come here. If I'm going to point at you, I'm pointing at me first. You won't find that in this place. But so sometimes we feel like we can't. And so what happens is that when we don't, we turn to the pig slop of the world. Pornography, bad relationships, 
right? We need something to fill that void. It could be drink, whatever it is, emptiness, the slop of, uh, of bad relationships, because there's a need that has to be filled into every person. But the reality is only the Father can do it. We've all tried it. We've all had other things that we've tried, but we've turned to the things of the world, but we're never satisfied because eventually we realize it's all just a bunch of garbage. Have you been there? I mean, we've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. It was horrible. It was horrible. It just didn't work. But the son realized that his, his father's hired servants, it says, had better than him. And so he works up his speech. You ever worked up a speech to come back to the father? Like we're sitting there in our mind talking about what we're going to do to the God that can read your mind and knows. And we're like, now this is what I'm going to say. And he's going, I'm standing right here. I hear you. <laughs> This is what I'm going to say, Father God. I'm going to bargain with you, right? I used to do it every Saturday night at the white throne of judgment on the floor. I'll never drink again. I swear to God, I'll never drink again. You know, I mean, okay, and we're bargaining, right? I'll be at church tomorrow and every, if you just get me out of this one. Okay, well, you know, but the, so he's working up this, this speech and he's going to go back and he's, tell the, he's going to admit, I have sinned against you. I mean, it, it, it is a very humbling thing to find yourself in the slop. I've sinned. I've sinned against you and God. I'm no longer, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me like a hired servant. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bargain my way back in with the father. I'm going to bargain my way back in because here's the problem. The church has nurtured that subculture that you, you have to work your way back in. That when you have strayed and when you've fallen and when you've walked away, you, you have to pay for your sins and you don't get to just walk back into the relationship with daddy. Because we've been here doing it right. Where have you been? You don't get to walk back in. And the church has, has nurtured that subculture where you have to earn your way back in. It's a lie. He says, i got to work my way back into the good graces. And if you'll just give me a chance, Father. And, and so what we, discuss, what we discovered in that statement I thought was very interesting is that at one time the boy did think he was worthy. Didn't he? He said, I'm no longer worthy. But at one point he did think he was worthy. When? Well, when I stayed here and did it all right, when I stayed here and did everything that you said, I felt worthy then, but now that I've blown it, I'm not worthy. Friends, and we said this, the truth is, you ain't never been worthy. Do it the best that you can do it, you ain't worthy. Do it the worst you can do it, you're not worthy. It's about him being worthy. Everything that the father did was about what the father did. That boy didn't earn anything to begin with when he took off, and he certainly didn't earn it when he came back, but it was never about you doing it, it's about what he has anyway. And so it's about the worthiness of our father. And so that's the atmosphere created in the church today, that if you dared walk away, the church is filled with the second brother. Yep. The second brother. Yep. What are you doing here? Yeah. Where have you been? <laughs> Haven't seen you in a long time. You should have been here. Yep. That's so good. I can't stand that. It sickens me. I can't stand that. I can't stand it. The second brother. Well, what's the deal? I stayed, I obeyed, I didn't leave. And you think you're just gonna walk back in here? No, 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 no. No, you're not gonna walk back. And I'm not talking just positionally like, oh, George Strait, he doesn't get to play guitar. It's deeper than that. It's who do you think you are to gonna come in here and think that the gifts of the Spirit are gonna work through you when I know where you were two weeks ago and now you're gonna stand up and pray in tongues? You hypocrite, who are you? How dare you? I think I have a word from the Lord. Well, where have you been? Last week you were drinking, now you got a word from the Lord? Who do you think you are? And we've created that atmosphere in the church that, no, 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 we got to put you on probation for a little while. 
When God's sitting here saying, I got a word for the church, but we're going to miss it because we're going we're gonna to regard you from the flesh, not the spirit, because we know what you did. And so, and so you're not worthy to be placed back into right standing. Isn't that what the brother said? He said, hey, I didn't leave. Why are we having a party for him? Why does he get the best robe? I, I stayed. Listen to me. If you think for one second you got to pay for your sins, you have made the sacrifice of Jesus of no effect. That's why he did everything that he did because you can't do it. Look at the price that was paid to carry the sin, to bring reconciliation back to the body of Christ where we've been reconciled through him. You couldn't do it. Your righteousness was filthy rags, but he said, that's okay, you can have mine. Go get the robe, the best one, and give it to him. Give it to him. That way when you walk in, we don't see the sin. We can't see the sin. Because we've got, that, we've got that robe on you, praise God. But this is why Jesus did all that he did so you don't have to pay for those sins. But we know when you're in that atmosphere of trying to pay for your sins, it never works out. And what it does is it creates that, that's why we see people in and out of church, if you will, or in and out of that relationship with the Father. Because when we try to carry it and make it right, we can't. And the church will be sure that you know that you're not. Because now you're gonna be under the microscope and we're gonna judge you different because you strayed a little. And so now we're going to keep our eye on you. And so then every move you make is, you bet. And we judge you different. Probation. Probation. And so we, we, we never find any satisfaction. And what that does is that that's why so many people have been in and out and in and out. Because they feel like they got to work it, but you can't work it. Because if you get here, guess what we're going to do with that bar? Uh... <clears throat> no, 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 you have to come up here now. But I, I didn't know. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Or we have a good week and we think we're worthy. Man, I, I read my Bible five times this week. I prayed. You know, I only looked at porn once this week, so praise God. Now, now I'm worthy this week to come in and raise my hands, but last week, not so much. I'm just talking about what happens. I mean, this will kill you, trying to... Trying to Trying to carry that, it'll kill you. It'll kill you. Too much to bear. It's not yours to bear. The father doesn't want you to. But the father said, I love this. The, the son said, just make me a servant. And he said, you can't. You're a son. You can't be a servant. Stop trying to be one. You can't be one. It is physically impossible for you to be one because you're a son. Now, so we said this. Servants serve out of fear. Sons still serve, but they serve out of love. No, we still serve the Father. We still do for the Father. But see, ours isn't fear-based out of retribution and punishment. We do it because of love. We serve the Father because of love. None of this was based off of what the boy had done. The Father worked for all of this. The Father is the one that built up all the fortunes and built the whole farm and did the whole thing. The Father did every bit of that. And some of you need to learn how to be blessed. You just, you just need to learn how to be blessed. No, even in the natural, I see it in your eyes when somebody does something for you. What, you think I need, you know, need your charity? What? You need to learn how to be blessed. Let God do something for you. Because as his children, we can't help but bless one another. And you need to learn how to receive it. You got to learn. It's a hard thing because pride is there. Well, I've, I've worked hard for, yeah, we know, but there's just some stuff that you can't do that you need a brother and a sister to come and help you out. And that's okay. Let, let people bless you. I'm telling you, we're creating that atmosphere in here. So be ready. Be ready for that. 
Be ready for someone to walk up and hand you a $100 bill. If you've been asking for one, Father God will lead that person to you. It's not just financial, but what about God reading your mail and somebody walking up and saying, God told me this was going on in your life and I need to pray for you. What? I'll tell you what, I've been blessed more by greeters at the door than I have by pastors in the pulpit that are standing there and they're excited to be their glory to God and they got no agenda except to bless you and you walk in and they get a word from the Lord for you before you even get in the sanctuary? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's the truth. So the reason that we get it all is because we know our father gave John three sixteen. But you don't turn it into for God so loved the Christians that he gave his only begotten son. And I'm one of them. And you know, for God so loved the world. And he chose to love you before you ever chose. And so he's loving them right now before they even choose. Not because we were worthy. It's because he's worthy. So get a robe, get a ring. And today we're going to look at the shoes. Now we know that robe we saw. The first thing was what? The boy came in and the, and the father said, ho, 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 ho. My son, protect him. I don't want everybody seeing him like this. Go get a robe. Get the garbage off of him. Get a robe on him right now. I don't want everybody to see his mess. Yeah. Stop with your Facebook confessionals about all your problem and your mess and what you did. The father doesn't want that aired. He doesn't see it. And he don't even know who you're talking about. If you ask for forgiveness, he's like, you did what, when? I don't remember. He chose it to be that way. But I love that he didn't want everybody to see that. He didn't want them to see that. See, we only do that because we self-punish ourselves. If I'll come clean and let everybody see my mess, I'll self-punish myself. Hopefully, I won't do it again because it was embarrassing. Then you learn other ways to sneak around and not get caught is all that does. It creates an atmosphere for you to just find other ways that you won't get caught and get embarrassed. So it's not about that. I need accountability. You have accountability with your father because your accountability to me is only as much as you want to tell me about you. Did you drink this week? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. So accountability means nothing to me. Be accountable to the Father. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't learn ways to skirt the system. Just don't get in it. But the Father, even if you do, he's going to cover it up. He's going to put a robe on you. He doesn't want everybody to see that. He doesn't want it aired out on big lengthy Facebook posts. Just saying. Anyway, God doesn't want your sin on display. So uh, he wanted you covered up and clean by the blood of Jesus. And here's the cool thing now. We know that we don't have to get covered up. We get washed. We get washed clean by the blood. We don't have to hide it and, and, and keep it under anymore. Praise God. And so you are right now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are right. You, you can't get any more righteous than you are right now. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And don't allow anybody to try to disrobe you. Because the church will try to pull you down. Well, I had a bad week. You're going to have one because misery loves company. And you're going to come up in here and be all celebrating. I can't let that happen. It makes me feel too bad about myself. They'll try to disrobe you. Don't let them do it. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Don't allow it. So the ring was authority, right? That's what they used. And so I love it when the son came back. He said, I know you blew it, but we're back in business. And business is good, boy. Business is good, and I trust you. I give you authority to do business in the Father's name. No, I know you've been out there saying my name in vain. I know you've been talking bad about me, son, but you're back, and now you're going to use my name to get into some places, right? We can name drop now. Well, my daddy said, how do you know? Well, I got the ring. We said, give the devil the finger, you remember? The ring finger. No, you don't tell me what I can and cannot do. Boom, I got a ring. 
My daddy says I can. I'm running the business now. And see, that's the difference between hired servants and sons. Hired servants, they'll help you get the business going. That's fine. They'll be there because they're getting paid, but they don't have any investment in it like a son that actually owns it. Because you know the daddy gave it to us. This boy ran off and the daddy had already given him, it said, between the two sons, gave them everything. The dad didn't own anything anymore. But wasn't it amazing? The son blew all his half and somehow when he came home, the dad had more? That sounds like the exceeding greatness of our father God. Oh, you thought we were done? No, we're not done. There's more. And he didn't steal it from the other brother to give it to him. The father had earned more since then. Right? There was more coming in. Why? It's just that continual blessing that's coming through. But you're authorized to do business in the name of the Father. And so it's time for us to get back to the Father's business. But you've been authorized to do it. You've been authorized to do it. Go do it. So now we're going to look at the shoes. What, what does this represent to us, those that are coming back to the Father? Uh, let's look at taking shoes off first. What does that represent? Because we see that a lot in the Bible. Get your shoes off, right? Take your shoes off. So... What does this mean? So shoes represent your rights. Now, I find it interesting that we're talking about surrendering this morning. Let's watch this. So when we talk about the shoes of sonship, the father was giving the son his rights back to walk into some places that others can't. Not everybody can come in here, but sons can. Sons can enter into this place. Not everybody can. And I think that's the thing in the church when we, when we feel like we're servants and we know that we have access to the throne room of God, servants come crawling in on their hands and knees into the throne room and it says, come boldly. Come boldly. Lucas has never walked into our home and crawled on the floor and said, Father, can I have a drink of thine water from thine faucet? The boy walk in and get a drink. Come boldly. because well, He's been authorized. He has some rights. Well, I'm not, I'm not worthy to have rights as a son anymore because we understand, here, here's the thing, some sons have rights that servants don't have. But I surrender my rights. And that's what we assume or we're led to believe by others that you don't get to do what it is that you did before. And I'm not, again, not just positionally, but bigger than that, you, you know, not just to minister to children or to get up on the stage if you've left before. It's, it's don't you dare walk back into Christianity and think you're gonna have a voice. Don't think you're going to have a voice anymore to tell people about Jesus, to lay hands on the sick, to cast out devils. No, no, no. See, you're on probation and you got to walk that out. And so what happens is when we allow others to tell us we're not worthy, you never will be worthy from that point on ever. Well, don't you remember what you did five years ago? They'll be sure that you remember. If it's not something you're doing now, they'll just remind you of something you did before. And the devil sure will. He'll whisper right in your ear. Here we go again. Here we go again. But you're under the microscope of religion from that point on. They're going to take every single thing from that point on. And they're going to, they're going to come and look at that splinter in your eye. And they're going to be sitting there going, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Look at that. Look at that. Don't ever allow anybody's voice to be louder than that of the Father in your life. So maybe you feel like you surrendered your rights, but that's the whole point. Father is saying, I'm giving them back to you. I'm giving it back to you. No, you did, but I'm going to give it back to you. So biblically, when they take shoes off, this was a showing of giving up your rights, surrendering. When you take your shoes off in the Bible, so Boaz and Ruth, Boaz wanted to marry Ruth, but there's a kinsman who is nearer in the Bible, and that's the near kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament. 
So Boaz goes to talk to this near kinsman redeemer and he says, I want to marry her, but you're first in line. You're first in line. Are you going to marry her? And he said, no, I don't want to marry her. And so this is what he does. In Ruth 4 and verse 7, now this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to another, and that was a confirmation in Israel. So he's giving up his rights. He had the right to marry her, but he's giving that up. And by doing that, you're handing this guy the sandal. You get to have these rights. In Deuteronomy 25, if a man had died and he doesn't have an heir, then the brother of that man was to marry the widow, right? So, that, so he had an heir. But what if he didn't want to marry her? Well, Deuteronomy 25, 7, if the man does not want to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say, my husband's brother refuses to raise up a name to his brother in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Verse 8, then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. You need to marry this woman. That's what the law says. But if he stands firm and he says, I don't want to take her. Imagine how these conversations went. (laughs) Have you met her? (laughs) I don't want anything to do with her. She scares me. Verse nine, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders. Well, I mean, imagine how these conversations went. You have to marry her. I am not, you marry her. That's the reason he married her. I didn't marry her. Well, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elder, remove his sandal from his foot, giving up his right, spit in his face, and say, so shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. So she gets a little redemption as well. Gets a spit in his face. But when you take your shoes off, you're giving up your rights. Now you think about Moses at the burning bush. Get your shoes off. This is holy ground. Why? Because you're going to surrender your rights and you're about to do what I'm going to tell you. Didn't he get some instruction at that moment? Moses is doing his life, right? He'd been in the backside of a wilderness for 40 years doing what he wants to do. And he said, buddy, today we're done with that. Get your shoes off. You're surrendering your rights. So many of you, listen, and I don't think it a bad thing. You know, we look at that and yes, he was running and yes, it wasn't right. But I'll tell you what, God preserved that man in the backside of a a wilderness. And he's been preserving you for this day to give you some rights that you've not had. Because from that point on, when he, when he walked away from that encounter and he put those shoes back on, it wasn't the same. And he was able to get an audience with Pharaoh and walk back into some places he never could. And so God is restoring the church, and I mean us, to be able to walk back in, even though we might have been on the backside of a wilderness for 40 years, friends. He preserved you, though. He preserved you. And today... He's given you some rights back and we're going to walk into some places we've never been, that we've never been. So he says, but you want to talk to me? You got to give up your rights. And so he left that encounter and he's able to put those sandals on and walk into some places where he had never been before. Praise God. God has some, listen, this is the season of the pioneers to go places where others haven't gone. But it's going to take some shoes that you've never worn before. But we're going to go some places. Now, in the backside of that wilderness, he found a rod, didn't he? He found a staff. We found a machete. And we're going to cut our way through some places that haven't been cut before. And we're going to walk into some places and find some people that had never been reached before, friends. We're going to pull them. I'm telling you what I see by the Spirit of God. We're going to pull them out. It may look like boots this time because we're going to go into some rough places. Not everybody's called into those places, but I think we are. We're going to, I thank God somebody got the machete and came and found me. I wasn't sitting out on the roadside. I was buried somewhere in my sin. But Joshua, the same thing, going to the promised land, but you got to get past Jericho. Joshua 5, 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and he looked and behold, a man stood opposite of him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua went to him and he said to him, I love this, are you for us 
Or are you for our adversaries? Let's get that squared away right now. <laughs> are you with us? Because, you know, when they talk about angels in the Bible, men would fall down like dead men. Yeah. And he's standing there with a sword, you know. And so I love this, but watch, there's something we're going to say. Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him. And he said, what does my Lord say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandal from your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. And it was from that point on, he was able to do what? Go into some places that he couldn't go. But watch this. He said, I'm the commander of this army. And so there was no way they could defeat Jericho without surrendering his, listen, Joshua was a man of war. He knew some battle and he had done well. But this time the Lord said, you're not gonna do it the way that you always thought. How many of you remember how that story went? The most ridiculous. Day one, you come home, honey, how was your day? Well, we marched around the thing. Day two, how'd it go today? Well, we marched around the thing. Well, what'd you, what, what, well, nobody said a word. Just imagine how he had to surrender everything that he thought he knew how to do battle in one season, and he had to surrender to get into some places he never knew to do it God's way in a different season. But did you notice that he didn't have to struggle near as hard to defeat this enemy as he did in his own? See, the Lord's going to make the battle easy this time, but we will stand shoulder to shoulder in this one. And it's going to take every one of us showing up and we're going to keep our mouth off of people and we're going to march. We're going to march until he says shout. But when it comes shouting time, it's going to be one body this time. It's going to be one body. So I wonder how many battles we lost in our own power simply because we refused to surrender our rights over to the wisdom that he had and what he could see. That makes no sense to march around this thing. They're going to mock us. You know, they're going to think we're ridiculous. This doesn't make any sense. Well, okay. So I've got an idea, you know, and so we do that, right? Well, I've got an idea. I'm in charge. You guys, I've learned this going through really ever since we got the building. There's some good ideas. Then there's some God ideas. And I, I'm done with good ideas. I can make a good idea come to pass through human willpower and it'll wear me out. But I'll tell you what, when it's God's idea, I, mean, I just got to be available. Praise God. So I love it. So I mean, I know there's a, you know, some watching today, some that are in here, you're trying to get. Now, I love this. Watch this. Look what he said in that conversation. So a lot of times when we pray, it's selfish. We're trying to get God to side with us. Watch this now. He asked this angel of the Lord, are you for us or for our adversaries? And the answer was No. Watch this. Here's, here's a revelation for you. Grab this because we're trying to get him to side with us against others. And he's a righteous, loving father, God. And we're trying to get God on our side. We're trying to get God on our side to push my agenda. And I like this. We, ha we have this plan. God, are you with me or, 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 or are you with them? No, watch this. I, I, he said, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. Because there's your side and there's their side, but there's my side, which is the right side. Are you with us or them? No, I'm here to take over. I'm here to take over. We have to surrender and start letting him take over. You got to grasp that. Stop trying to get God to take your side because you're right. He's right. He's right. I'm not here to get on your side. I'm here to see if you're going to surrender your rights and get on my side. Get on my side. And guess what? He may not share the whole plan with you, which means you don't need to know. Matt and I had to learn this early on. We used to try to plan out, you know, we'd get these phone calls. We'd end up in some crazy places praying for crazy stuff. And we'd always try to get this plan. What are we going to do? And how is it going to go? And God said, just go. You'll find out when you get there. Just show up in the room and see what happens. And so we had to surrender everything that we thought we knew or how we would pray over a certain situation because you'd walk in and it wouldn't be that situation anyway. 
And then all of a sudden you're in a panic because you're like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. So we just had to go because two thirds of God is go. Just go. We'll get the rest. Praise God. You'll get, you'll know when you get there. But see, that's a trust that you got to start building with the father to know that he's for you and he's not against you. Just like the son had to know my daddy loves me. I know I can go home. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to work my way back in, but I know I can go home. So shoes represent rights. Now put the shoe back on, the rights of of sonship. So not what you could do on your own, not what you've earned. Again, the son had done nothing to earn these shoes. Uh, The shoes weren't his anyway. They were the father's. And the father gave him the shoes. Moses and Joshua both put shoes back on, and then they were able to do what? Lead the people into victory. So if more of our leaders would humble themselves and recognize that we're on holy ground and get their shoes off, shoes that say, pastor, well, you have to follow me because of these shoes, 25 years of biblical study, get your shoes off. Come on, if if we'd get our shoes off, 25 years of hard work, I, I made these shoes, I've earned these shoes. I made these shoes. You got to follow me. If we would allow God to place new shoes on our feet, we're going to go into some places that the church has never been. And I believe that's our call in this community. You know we're going to go, we're going to, go to the ugly. I told you all now, you better get ready. I told you, I pray for witches to come here. I pray for gays and lesbians and trans and some that don't even know what they are to come here. And they're going to sit right next to you. And it could be a guy dressed as a girl, a girl as a guy, or I don't even know. I don't know and I don't care, but where else are they supposed to be? So you better be ready. I'm calling for alcoholics and drug addicts. I mean, listen, now when our ushers used to get together years ago, the police started dropping drunks off at the door after the drunk take time was up on a Sunday morning, they'd drop them at our place. And we'd take them in and they'd sit by us. And by the end of the service, they'd get born again, sober up. But we used to see some stuff because we would pray for some stuff. But I'm telling you, we're praying for some stuff. So don't get too comfy in your chair because it's coming and it won't smell like you. It won't look like you. It won't be as polished as you. And they're right here at home. Praise God. We're calling them in. We're going to give them a robe. We're going to give them a ring. We're going to give them some shoes. But we've got some places that we got to go. But, you know, we're going to have to surrender our rights if we want to get there. We got to surrender what we thought we knew getting into some places. It's just not been working. We need to be a bigger influence in this community, but it can't come just through a fish fry, right? That was good. That's okay. It was ordained by God, no doubt about it. But again, well, let's have an ice cream social too. You know, I mean, you can do those things, but at the end of the day, I don't want good ideas. I need God ideas. One of those God ideas, I told you that I know that we're going to start offering ourselves to help these businesses, that we're going to offer the manpower and tell them, hey, What would you do if you had 25 people for a day to work on your place? What would you do? And we're going to swarm that place with our God of Miracles shirts on. We're going to swarm these businesses and we're going to help them. Not just stand over here and say, well, we're praying for you. We're going to to put our money where our mouth is. And we're going to go help these people right where they're hurting, right where they're at. And we're going to start with Vinny. So praise God. That's where we're going. So there's many rights, too many to mention here that would launch into a whole other teaching, but let me mention a few. When you receive rights, you surrender your rights. You get the power to share the gospel. It's not your gospel. We're sharing his gospel, his good news, but you get get the rights to be able to do that. 
to go into some places. Acts 1, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive power to be witnesses. Ephesians 6 says part of our armor is to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that everywhere you go, it it ought to bring peace into a situation. Sometimes peace comes by a sword. Sometimes it comes with a gentle touch. But whatever it is, we're gonna bring peace into the situation and you'll be equipped to do it because you got shoes on. So part of the rights of sons and daughters is to share the gospel, the good news of the Father. It might be preaching. It might just be signs and wonders. We don't know. Maybe both. Another, as we mentioned, authority over the enemy. Behold, I give you authority to, uh, the authority to tread upon serpents and, and upon scorpions. We're talking about that spirit realm that you and I will be able to stomp Satan's teeth out of his face when you got the right shoes on. When you got the right shoes on, we'll, get, we'll kick him in his teeth. That excites me. I'm tired of getting kicked. I'm kicking back. Freedom is another one. And when you got your shoes on, you gain access into some places that others just aren't going to get into. When you're wearing his shoes, you're able to go where others would not or could not. So Luke 15, Jesus is telling this story, this story the parable. And so there's two sons in the story. The prodigal gets a robe, a ring, and shoes, and a party. But the other one, he, he doesn't even want to come, right? He, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't even want to come. So we need to see this. Luke 25, verse 15. The older son was out in the field. And as he came and he drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Man, there's just some people that can't stand people getting free. Thank you. That's the sound of freedom. Yeah. And he can't stand it. What's going on? Why are they all free up, up there? I told you guys when we were under the the pandemic and everybody was locking down and we didn't lock down. Remember, we were going out in the parking lot and praying and holding hands together and there was like 40 or 50 of us and Vinny got on Facebook Lake Area Happenings and said, now why the hell I got to close down and the church over there, everybody out there hugging and and kissing on each other and praying for us. (laughs) We're over there screaming and yelling and celebrating in the parking lot and he couldn't even open up his business and he's like, what is that? Freedom. Freedom. Freedom because I'm an American and freedom because I'm a child of God. Yeah. Too political? Not political enough, but we'll go on. So he calls one of the servants and and he says, what is going on? What does that mean? He said, well, your brother came home. Guys, if we ever just celebrated, I mean, when somebody walks in and we haven't seen them in a while and we know they've been going through hell and we just said, hey, woo, come on. That's what it should be like. That's what he's saying is, man, we know you've been out there and it's been rough, but you made it. You made it. Guys, I feel that way about every other week. I made it. I made it in here. Hallelujah. I'm having a party right here, you know. Your brothers come home. They received him safe and sound, but your father's killed the fatted calf. And he was angry. He didn't want to go in there. Therefore, his father came out and he pled with him. He said, listen. And he said, father, lo, these many years, I've been serving you serving you, servant mentality. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, liar. You know you have. He maybe didn't catch you, but you did. But see, I'm, I'm holier. I've never. Look at me. I've never. Don't look at me when I'm at home. Look at me up here. See, I've never. No, that one came walking in. Why'd they get blessed today? I've never, Father. I've never transgressed your commandment. He had. You, you never gave me a young goat. That's a lie because he gave him all of them. He split them right up. I gave them all. That I might make merry with my friends, but as soon as this son of yours, not even my brother now. Oh, this son of yours? Not even a brother? 
He didn't even want to say my brother came home. I mean, this guy's hard. Who's devoured your livelihood? Let me remind you with harlots. But you kill the fatted calf for him. And he said, son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. How many people are sitting in churches for 25 years and and, and it's the same as day one? Because they do not recognize that the Father has given to them every single thing. Just because you stayed here and did it right doesn't mean that you couldn't have it all the day you decide to have it all. But they get in here and they think they got to have something special when you've already got it all. Just because we celebrate the one coming in and we didn't celebrate you sitting in the same chair with that ugly face every day. Sorry. (laughs) That's true. Because what are they doing? I don't get nothing. God better move today. Did you hear George play that wrong note? My God. Turn the air down. Whatever. We find things. What are they talking about over there? They're talking about jelly, not you. But that's what we do, don't we? What are they talking? They're talking about me. No, you're not worth it. But the father's talking about you. They have everything and they're mad because of the ones that come back and recognize what is theirs. And they take advantage of it. But no, they sit there mad and upset, running down the servant's list of accomplishments, all the while never gaining access to what is theirs at any time. We are sons and daughters. We have the presence and the provision of God. You're always with me. All that I have is yours, that at any Sunday that you want to, he doesn't have to play a song for you to get it. You don't have to sing another song, shout another shout, or dance another dance right now. You are anointed right now. I don't need another word from David Craig. I don't need to read another prophecy. I don't need to be spit on. I've already got it. I've got it. I don't have to wait for the summit. I don't, we've got it right now. And anytime that you want to, the father's like, it's all yours. But then one person walks in and God touches their life and they celebrate and we go home. Well, that's not fair. It is fair. Luke 15 and verse one, then the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners. Are you thankful that this man named Jesus receives sinners? Yes. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm happy about this. So he receives these sinners, and he's eating with them. I told you guys how I spent my, the uh, big biker weekend here at, at the lake. Put on my Nirvana shirt, my cutoff shorts, and my, and my do-rag, and I went to the bars and hung out with bikers all weekend. That didn't get me invited anywhere to speak. But I didn't have to. Invisible pulpits dropped down in front of me at every bar. He's hanging out with all these bikers and drinking. I'll tell you what, when the spirits get to flowing, they like to talk. I even, I even bought a couple of them some beer. I bought. Yeah. And prayed for his epileptic son, too. You got to go where they're at. They didn't come here. So I went to their church. So this man received sinners. Thank you for that. So he spoke this parable to him when he heard that they're getting mad. Why? Because he wants to show you how much Father God loves to receive his children back. You do understand they're all children too. They're all created. They're still created in his image and his likeness just like you. They're just one good decision away from being just like you. But you're one bad decision away from being right back where they are too. So be very careful. Don't get prideful. 
but at the same time, just one decision away. But he loves to recover lost children, and he's showing us that it's grace, not works. You think of how much of a battle Jesus had to deal with these Pharisees and the parables that he's trying to explain to them that it's not works, it's grace. So he comes to earth, he hangs out with the sinners, and the sinners loved to be with him. That's amazing. The sinners drew to him. They went to him. That's that guy, Jesus. Let's go hang out with him. The sinners came to him. You give them Jesus, they might come to church. But the goal is not to get them to church. Come on, we got to go out to the people, not just invite them to church. That's what this is, but rather giving them the head of the church, which is Jesus, they might come to church. But I had a thought, I had a thought after I'd said that, because I have used that quote many times. Uh, you give them Jesus, they might come to church, but then I heard this, you can give them church and they may never come to Jesus. We get so prideful in here, if you can just get them in here, maybe, but maybe not on the day that you're teaching on tithing. What I'm saying is, is don't wait to invite people to church to think that pastor or the speaker is going to handle it. This is the day that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're preaching on tithing today and they're sitting there going, I'm dying and going to hell. What are you talking about? Right? We, we've got to get the people. We've got to take it to them. So sinners love being with Jesus and he loved being with them. But these Pharisees are mad because the sinners aren't coming to the synagogue. The Pharisees are getting all upset. Why? Because they felt they had earned their relationship with God. They earned their relationship. And these sinners, they hadn't earned a relationship to, to be where we're at, to do what we do, to hear what we hear. They've not earned that relationship. So the older son represents the Pharisees, the prodigal, the sinners. And the, the Pharisees were mad because Jesus is receiving these sinners. And he says, yeah, but let me tell you about my father. He loves to receive his sons, but you guys are the older brother. That's what he's telling him. And you're upset all the time. And well, you didn't give me a goat. And the father's saying, listen, all I have is yours too. But you're mad because I'm giving attention to the sinner that came home. You think of the stories Jesus told. Two men come into a church. One's a, one's a sinner. And the other man looks at him and says, God, I thank you. I'm not like him. I'm not like, I'm not like other people. And the sinner won't even raise his head. And the father's, and he just says, I, thank you that you're merciful to me, Father God. And Jesus said, that's the guy that's going to make it, not this one. You look at the stories. Where the man hired people at the start of the day, it says in the Bible, he hired people at 6 a.m. to go do a job. Then at the third hour of the day at 9 a.m., he hired some more to do the same job. Then at the sixth hour at noon, he hired some more. The ninth hour at 3 p.m. and the 11th hour at 5 p.m., he goes to hire all of them to do the same job. And when he got ready to pay them, it says the 11th hour guys, he gave these guys that came in at the end full wages. Full wages for the day. So the guys that were hired at the start of the day said, ah, oh, if he's given them that, then we're really going to get blessed because we've been in this longer. And he gave them the same and they got mad. And he said, why are you mad? Didn't you all agree to the same thing? Y'all get the same thing. The guys that come in at the 11th hour still get salvation on a deathbed confessional, laying there and done it all wrong and cussed God and cursed and damned his name two days on a deathbed confessional. You're going to be their neighbor in heaven. And they'll get everything that you got. You guys remember the story I told you about the prostitute in Tampa? Born again 15 minutes in a room full of first hour, second hour, third hour people. She's an 11th hour girl getting born again. And 15 minutes later, the first person she's laying hands on gets healed of blindness. Why? Because she got the full wage. There's no junior Holy Ghost. That right at the moment she said, yes, Father God said the check is written, full pay. Come on. 
You get it all. You get it all. Come on, 11th hour person standing in a room with first, third, and sixth hour people who were like, well, why ain't I getting something? Well, you do have something. But she realized it and was thankful. But we worked harder. Well, yeah, but you get the same thing. You get forgiveness of sins. You get eternity in heaven. You get the same thing. They felt like because of their self-righteousness, they had earned it. So remember, we discovered Luke 15, 17, 18. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I'm going to arise. I'm going to go to my father. I'm, I'm going to say I've sinned. Well, the hired servants, these are paid servants he's talking about. They're not just slaves. These are, they're getting a wage. Hired servants. And so he said, well, make me like a hired servant. And a hired servant is, is an employee. He gets a paycheck because he's earned it. He gets a paycheck because he's earned it. He worked and he got it, but that's not what you are. You're not a hired servant. And so you don't earn it. It's just given to you by the father because you're blessed. Because here's the thing. If you remain in a servant mentality, then what you do is you're gonna place yourself into a position to receive what you think your worth or your worthiness worked uh, uh, based off of the work you did that week. If I had a good work, Father, if I, did, if I worked good for God this week, he's gonna bless me Sunday. Yeah. But if I didn't, I didn't quite earn it this week, maybe next week. A son walks in and says, it's my place. I get the full paycheck. It doesn't matter what I've done. My daddy said, this is my place. This is my place. I inherited all of this. It's all mine. So it's based off the work that you've done for God. The weeks you didn't report to work, guess what? I guess I don't get paid. We're, we're treating the Father God more like the Godfather. We're paying him off up here so I don't get a broken leg this week. Bless me, Lord, and protect me. He's not the Godfather. He's your Father God. It's not fear and intimidation. I don't get healed. I don't, I don't get to get my prayers answered because I've limited my receiving work, work uh, uh, based off of my performance as a hired servant. But when you realize that you're sons and there's no limitations to be received because it's not about what you earned, it was all about daddies anyway. It was all about what he earned. And he said, hey, as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus, then you get everything that Jesus gets as my beloved son, even though you relate to the game. We are co-equal inheritors. Everything that Jesus got, you get it. That's what the Bible says. And the good weeks and the bad weeks, it's still the same. It's still the same. Romans 8 and verse 32, he that did not spare or hold back his son, but he gave him up for us. How could he not freely give us all things? But the church, you know, they just can't stand that the sinners haven't earned it sometimes. And that's why we get you know, people get upset with people that fall in and out and they, they struggle and they do stuff and they come back. Well, you haven't earned it. I stayed here. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't run off. I've been in the church all these years. I didn't sleep around. You did that. You knew better and you did it. And so people get upset because they, they want you to get back into the hired, into the hired servant mentality again. You get back here and earn it and we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe, and most of the time that means no by the way. I worked my tail off this week. You think you're just going to waltz back in here? No. So we got, we got churches filled with people that cannot stand that other people just want to be with Jesus. Yes. I mean, they're coming in here fresh off of a, of a, of a binge last night, but man, I need my daddy today. And they're coming in and we're judging them for that? No way. You ought to rejoice for that. You ought to rejoice for that. 
Jesus really wants to be with them, so we want others to earn it. You don't meet my standards of righteousness. And so there's a lot of people that are critical and judgmental, and it's a Pharisee. It's a spirit. It's a spirit that is on people. It's a religious spirit. People that feel like they earned right relationship with God will also make you feel like you have to earn your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. You have to earn that relationship with me. You don't get in this circle till you've done some things. You think you got rights to talk to me? You don't get to me. I mean, unless you're one of the big givers of the church. I've been in it long enough to know that's the truth. I told you, I knew a minister that called you all tithing units. Tithing units. He's no longer with us anymore. Not with, he's no longer on the earth anymore. I think he probably had a revelation his first day in heaven. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Those are people. Okay. So you got to earn the relationship with them based off of the works and what you can do for them. And that's why there's so many cliques in the body of Christ. So many little clubs and groups in the body of Christ. So many pastors can't even talk face to face with people because I've earned the higher calling. Not you. Someday if you pay the price that I paid, you get that paperwork like me. Well, I, I thought I already had my paperwork. I didn't know. Because my daddy said that I can do everything you're doing, Mr. Higher Calling, right here. And just because I don't stand behind something called a pulpit, I'm still doing the same thing on the street. Maybe more so. Jesus showed up in a world of rules and regulations and he blew their minds continuously on purpose. And I love it. And he loves you and he's got free gifts and he desires to give it to his children. And so maybe we have someone here today that identifies the other brother, possibly. Get yourself to the party. Start celebrating with others. And it's an urgency for those that identify as the older brother. You've got to change your attitude and begin to show grace and mercy to those that are coming in. You have to. I've been both at times... We're sons, not servants. And, and, and again, it's all grace, not hired servants, right? So let's wrap it up. I'm not worthy. Treat me as a servant. No, you're getting these gifts because you're a son, not a servant. And the prodigal, though, he had to surrender all of his rights. And the father gave them all back, didn't he? And you look at these stories in the Bible. A woman lost a coin and she searched until she found it. And she puts it back where it belongs. And they all partied. They all celebrate that she found one coin that she had lost. A man had a sheep. They wander away. He says, I'm going to do what? I'm going to leave the 99 to go get the one and, and placed it on his shoulders and brings it back home. So all of heaven rejoices when one is found, it says. So what of the son? The father, the father didn't go get the son. Why? Because humans have a will. And he had to wait for that son to surrender his rights. And once that boy came back and said, dad, I'm, I'm all yours. And he said, good, let's take those shoes off. Let's put these shoes on. Why don't you stand to your feet today? You've got to make a decision to surrender your rights. The Father has everything for you to get the job done right here today. So I want to encourage you that we have to make the decision to, to surrender our rights. So here's what I want you to do is they're playing this morning, just symbolically, take your shoes off. Hallelujah. You want to get into some places where you've never been? Because we're about to go some places we've never been before. But if you want to get there, you're going to have to surrender your rights. Just symbolic, right? The Bible does this a lot of times. It wasn't a big deal to take, but it meant something to them, just symbolically saying, hey, take those shoes off, but then I'm gonna give you something back. 
So I want you to, I want you to really take a moment here and, and what's some things that you've been doing on your own? What have you been trying to do? I want you to surrender that today. I want you to take your shoes off and say, I'm done. Father, I'm on holy ground right here. Before you, just as open as I can be right now, Father God, I take these shoes off. I surrender it. And see the Father calling you back in to where you're gonna go and then put those shoes back on and see if something doesn't change in your life this morning. Just do that as they're, as they're playing here. Let it mean something to you. Only you know what you're going through. Only you know the conversations you've had with the Father, the things that you felt like maybe it wasn't working. Where have you hit the dead end? Well, then it's time for new shoes for a new path. So wherever you've hit the dead end thinking that you've been doing something, surrender your rights today. You can't earn anything. The Father wants to give you something today. Do that while they're playing. Thank you for joining me for Church at the MHC Sermon of the Week. I am your host, Pastor Don Allen. No more servants, but we're sons. When you've been given a robe of righteousness, a ring, and some shoes. Come on, those shoes are going to take us somewhere. They're going to take us places that we've never been before. You know the Father loves you. He's waiting for you to come home. Be sure to join us for church at the MHC every Sunday, 10 a.m. in person at the Midwest Healing Center, 728 North Main Street, Lauren, Missouri, beautiful Lake of the Ozarks. Online live streaming video, Two Guys in the Bible Facebook page, Two Guys in the Bible YouTube. Church at the MHC, where we love the hell out of your life.